Hey, listen, welcome to the Hazelton Gamescast. This is episode 65. Of course, that means we're talking about the Nintendo console, the Nintendo 65, the much unknown to the public sequel to the Nintendo 64 with that one extra bit of technology. Wait, <laughs> was that what the, like, add-in graphics thing was that came with The expansion packs, yes. Yeah, the That's the Nintendo 65, Goldwood, right there. Kicked you up okay. to a 65. <laughs> Uh, thank you for joining us here today. Uh, if you if you like Nintendo 64, check out our last week's episode. We talked uh, a little bit about our favorite N64 memories. But uh, joining me here today, my name is Jeffrey Morris, and uh, joining me here today is Nathan Wagner. Hello, and what is up, guys? Also joining us, Rob Douglas. Hello. And uh, we have a fun show for you guys today because um, there are some new releases that we've been playing this week. Um, uh, my my highlight of the week. Nintendo released a brand new console, my favorite time of year. Every time Nintendo puts out a new console, which used to be every, you know, four or five years, it was always a very special time for me, but uh, now we're getting these classic consoles, like, every year now, and I opened it up on Friday. Nathan, you were there with me when we unboxed it, and uh, it's a really, really cool package. Yes. Look up our uh, Twitter photo, and you can see my beautiful face holding it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the package looks really awesome. Yeah, so, so we'll be talking a lot of impressions of that. Uh, we also... Um, got a review code for Golf Story for the Nintendo Switch, so we'll be giving you some of our impressions and early review of that. Uh, but first, we have some new stories we wanted to um, tackle today. And so, uh, first one's a pretty big one. The uh, head of PlayStation, um, his name is Andrew House. He's the guy, you know, who does most of the big E3 shows and PSX and stuff. Um, he just randomly has decided to step down today. And it's not like, oh, you know, I'm retiring and I'm, you know, enjoying my retirement out in peace. It's not, oh, I'm going to Microsoft or some other company. He just kind of said, it's time for me to step away. I've loved PlayStation. I've been here for over 25 years and it's time for something new for me. So wonder, what do you guys make of this? Well, I'm going to miss his beautiful British accent. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, I wonder Rob. what decision internally made him make that decision. Because that's kind of a... It sounds very like someone said something on the inside or they're going a direction and all the PlayStation people are like, hey, let's go this direction. He's like, I don't really agree with that, so it's mm-hmm. time for me to go. I I honestly think it probably just has more to do with the fact that he's been working so hard for so long. He's probably ready for a break. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting to note that we've seen some relatively big PlayStation people step down, like Jack Trenton, the head of, I think it was PlayStation America, stepped down and is doing something else. Um, I think that was about a year and a half ago now, mm-hmm. and now the head of PlayStation overall is stepping down, so I don't, uh, do you remember who's, who's replacing him? Um, I don't remember the name, it was a Japanese name. Yeah. Um, Somebody who's been there for so, a long time. Someone's kind of his immediate successor as of now, we'll yeah. see if that it changes or not. I know with, like, when Mr. Iwata died at Nintendo, like, Kimishima was kind of his successor for the interim, and then they just kind of kept him, so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so we'll let you know if you know there's any changes and they bring someone else in. But um, yeah, just kind of interesting that uh, uh, face and kind of name that's been really iconic, especially for the PS4. Yeah, know, he's era he's had a lot to do with like talking during mm-hmm. their E3 showings and stuff like that. Um, especially in the last couple of years, more and more. So yeah, so 
Um, we wish the best to, to Mr. House. I'm interested to see, uh, you know, what he ends up doing next. Maybe, maybe he's going to become a painter or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so, moving on, uh, PlayStation Plus games are now out today. Um, you know, we have a lot, of, a lot of PlayStation fans out there on the show. We just thought it was worth mentioning because there's a pretty big title coming out for free, or is out for free now, and that is uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain is um, kind of the headlining game with PS Plus, and um, I think this is cool. Uh, I mean, I already own this game, so I'm kind of bummed in a way. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> I get a really awesome, cool game. But it is a really cool game. It's totally, like if you've never played a Kojima game, like start with this game because it's so, mm-hmm. you'll understand right away from the crazy prologue that like the madness that is Hideo Kojima's <laughs> mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what, what are you guys' thoughts on Sony putting out one of their biggest like, uh, really like third-party AAA games that came out um, two years ago. Now, honestly, but. this is really good to see. I feel like we've talked about it kind of a little bit in the past, but over the last year or so, um, you know, they increased the price of uh, PlayStation Plus from $50 a year to $60 a year, mm-hmm. and a lot of people complained, and Sony said, one of the reasons we're doing this is because we want to put out kind of more big AAA titles to go along with PlayStation Plus. And we all weren't sure whether to believe them or yeah, not. Yeah, <laughs> we were like, yeah. are we really sure about that, or you just want more money and think you can do it because Xbox is... Fox is doing the same thing, but they've been pretty consistent with putting out some pretty big games. I know we had Infamous last month, and um, we had Just Cause Three. We had the Assassin's Creed kind of three D AAA game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is probably the biggest one. Yeah, um, that's out on PS4. Um, yeah, this is huge. In the lifespan, so well, and we we I think going back a couple like <laughs> months ago, we were talking about when they came out with NBA Two K Sixteen on PS Plus. Yeah, that was a couple years ago. Yeah. You know, right before uh, 17 that was last came June, out. Not this June, that was last, last year. Mm-hmm. So last year we were talking a little bit about this before you know going into 2017. And we were talking a little bit about like, well, maybe this is a sign that they're going to start putting those bigger titles onto PS Plus. And mm. so far they have delivered on that promise. They are putting out some pretty big games. And this is huge. Metal Gear Solid Five is, you know, I didn't expect to see this one come free or be offered as free for another 10 years. Yeah. 10 years. Um, honestly, <laughs> yeah. it reminds me a little bit. Um, I had a PS3, and I think yeah. I started getting PlayStation Plus in about 2011, 2012, somewhere around there. Um, mm-hmm. Before it was required for online play, but... It's kind of an optional bonus. Yeah, kind of an optional bonus. And, um, back then, they did put out, kind of consistently, they were putting out AAA games that I were in, was kind of interested in. and was able to play through a lot of different titles just through that. Um, and it reminds yeah. me a little bit of kind of those days when they were putting out more AAA games that people that were bigger and people wanted mm-hmm. to play and stuff like that. So. And you know, I think it makes sense with you know these games too, like Just Cause, Metal Gear Solid Five, Infamous. Like these are really big games that are pretty high quality. A lot of people worked on them, but I think it's gotten to the point where it's like most people who are being interested in these games have already played it and bought it. So yeah. really, they're yeah. not really losing really any new sales. Yeah, I mean, because you can buy this out. game for what like twenty bucks now. Or yeah, something I got like it. That. I got uh, last year for I think twenty fifteen bucks. Yeah. Like. Um, and, you know, they did, earlier this year, re-release the whole package with all the DLC and they, the uh, prequel Metal Gear Solid Five uh, game and all that in a bundle. So, that was kind of interesting that they did that whole bundle, kind of got a last hurrah of money, and now it's all stuff for free. So. Yeah, this but is great. Regardless, it's great. You don't see games that review 10 out of 10 uh, going free very often. Yeah. So. Uh, I, <laughs> no, mean, I want to say I'm excited to jump in and check it out and play it, but honestly, I'll probably download it and then... 
not played until sometime maybe early next year because there's other games coming out that I want to play more. Yeah. And this is such a huge game. It's like Breath of the Wild where there's so yeah, much to exactly. do, so much to explore. Yeah. You really take on tasks any way you want. You could get hundreds of hours into this game. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so let us know what you think about Metal Gear Solid Five going free on PlayStation Plus starting today. Um, let us know if you're going to be checking that one out. Um, next quick news piece uh, that was worth mentioning, the Nintendo World Championships is returning this year, and it is going to be broadcast live um, this weekend, October 7th. And so, is that um, this Saturday? I believe that is Saturday, four days from now, yes. <laughs> so uh, I remember, Nathan, you and I watched the Nintendo World Championship uh, that was happened two years ago. They... They skipped last year, and they did some crazy uh, Super Mario Maker challenges, remember, where they yeah. just had these insane levels, and they all had to like try to beat each other's times going in blind. It was really fun to watch it, because they did it kind of as a part of their E3 presentation. Yeah. Um, so they brought in all these different people, and at that point, you know, I don't think Mario Maker was out yet, so we no. kind of got to kind of see Same with... cool parts of that yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. And they, sh- they kind of debuted the... Samus Returns game. The, like the Metroid Blast Ball. <laughs> and they, they <laughs> had the that. new DLC characters in Smash. So someone was yeah. playing as like Roy <laughs> in the Smash part of it. And what I thought was cool was it wasn't just like a one game tournament. Yeah. They did this huge giant bracket and they played, I think, like four or five different games throughout it. Yeah. And so they did announce that new Blast Ball game. And so like kind of keep an eye on this weekend. There might be some type of smaller um, announcement that could come out of it. Sure. Maybe. But uh, yeah, I'm a... Honestly, I kind of forgot about this because when they originally announced the tournaments, I was looking at, and I was like, oh, there's one pretty close to me. But uh, one, it was on a day that I had already been scheduled to work. Mm-hmm. And then two, it was like playing Mario Kart 7 yeah. to get in. And I was <laughs> yeah, like, I did the same thing. That's kind of, I don't really want to go stand in line to play that game. And yeah. I don't think I would win anyway. So, so for those of you unfamiliar, basically, I think they have eight People who qualified at eight different events throughout the country. There was one yeah. up here in the Northwest. Um, and those eight people are going to compete with eight kind of invited guests who are more like pro streamers and gamers and stuff. And they just do all this crazy stuff. And the cool part was the guy who won it last year was just some random dude who walked into a Best Buy and qualified. <laughs> and, like, and now he's kind of got a following and he's like a professional Smash Bros. player now just because he's, you know, got all this attention and stuff. So yeah. That's really cool. Pretty cool. So definitely keep an eye on that. Um, it's a really fun kind of esports show that really anyone can enjoy. Mm. Um, Rob, you want to give us our next news piece here? Yeah. So Star Wars Battlefront Two beta. Um, we've all been kind of holding our breath, waiting for Star Wars Battlefront Two to come out. It looks like it's going to have a bigger story. It looks like it's going to have better gameplay. It looks like it's going to be just kind of build upon, kind of trying to do the Destiny Two to Destiny One. Mm-hmm. Um. And that beta starts, I believe, tomorrow. It begins Wednesday yeah. at 1 a.m. Pacific. <clears throat> so, so a couple you hours. pre-ordered the game, yeah, it'll go live Oh, yeah, Wednesday. that's only for pre-orders. Um, and then if you didn't pre-order the game, um, they'll give kind of, I think, a couple days to let people who pre-ordered yeah, it. Open beta starts I think it's on Friday, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, and so. I'll just go through the weekend, so it'll end on Monday, and they have... Um, arcade, Strike, Starfighter, Assault, Galactic Assault. So there's four different modes there. Um, which is a pretty pretty significant chunk for beta. Usually, you know, mm-hmm. beta has maybe one or two different modes or yeah. things to do. Yeah, I, I'm yeah, I mean, kind of excited. I kind of forgot they were doing a beta, so I'm excited to jump in and try it out. I know you and you and I both kind of Jeff were burned by the first game. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm kind of hesitant on this one, but it it does look like it has some really cool maps, and they're adding hey, a lot more modes. They're promising a special loot box, including a Darth Maul exclusive emote 
if you buy the full version, if you played the beta. I know you're really excited for that Darth Maul emote. We'll see what Rob, do you is. think you'll play? I'm actually thinking I'll, yeah, I'll play it this weekend and just see if I can get into it, maybe just for an hour or two. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like they also will have a lot of, yeah, a lot of characters will be unlocked for this beta, a lot of nice. just, like, good quality stuff that, you know, normally you don't see in a beta, and I think they're really trying to, I think they're trying to prove a point. I think they're trying to prove, hey, guys, I know the first one was maybe a little disappointing, but mm-hmm. we're trying to fix all of our disappointments and make this a little better. So hopefully, here's hoping, fingers crossed, that they such a succeed on that. I sold, like, 14 million units <laughs> or something like that. Well, I'm sorry, you're just so sad about that, EA. I, I'm actually looking forward to this beta now because I, I was, you know, like Nathan said, kind of skeptical, skeptical of there being a lot of good content in the game, at least at launch, and... You know, but the beta is perfect because if there isn't a lot of content, it gets old fast. Like it's a beta; you get to play for a day, and you know, you get get your feel. You get a good feel for what the game is like. Yeah. Regardless, it sounds and looks really, really nice. Like yes, they they do such a good job making those environments so photorealistic. And you know, I'm, being being a big Star Wars guy, it's worth at least jumping into for a day. So yeah, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So we'll give some impressions of that next week for sure. Um, but Red Dead Two, that trailer dropped this week. Red Dead Redemption 2, they're still sticking to the guns that it's coming spring, like early 2018. Um, so like April? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't think it, it was going to come out before May. but um, Oh, it's promising to yeah, see a trailer drop. So Yeah, then the trailer looked, looked pretty cool. Rob, you were saying uh, it had some connections to the first one's story a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, so just kind of some highlights of this. First off, they added a couple of key features that people really wanted, such as the bow and arrow, which is a new combat oh, nice. yeah. form. So they actually will have bow and arrow. It looks like hunting will still be a part of the process Rise and everything. Zero Dawn influence there, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Well, and also set in, you know, Western times, you got to have the Indian bow and arrow, right? I mean, whoa, whoa, Rob. Come you got to be appropriate here. Watch what you're saying. <laughs> But it sounds like what the storyline, it sounds like it's taking place before Red Dead Redemption, maybe 10, 20 years before Red Redemption, uh, the first game. And it looks like we'll follow uh, John Marston's gang. We saw some of the gang members from the first game in the trailer. So, but they all looked a lot younger. So there's this premise Isn't that it? we I might thought... even see John Marston, the main character from the first game. But yeah. I thought it was a rival gang that kind of you're a part of. Like you, the character you play. That's possible. I think I was I was looking into. I didn't actually play. I played only like the first couple hours of the first Mm -hmm. Red Dead. So I might be going completely crazy here. But I was looking. Well, the biggest thing I was reading that the main character that you play as, um, you actually meet in Red Dead Redemption, and is kind of he's kind of a jerk. Um, he is a huge as I, as I could understand. <laughs> yeah, basically, you were playing like you know the first one. John Marston's sort of a moral <laughs> gray, but he's trying to do right trying to by do everyone. Right yeah. He's trying he's to get back on the right track. Yeah. So I mean, unless you're Jeff and you're tying women up and okay, that was on one time tracks. just to get um, the trophy, guys. What time? <laughs> but but. It sounds like this new character, Arthur Morgan, um, is an all-around, just kind of jerk. Yeah. 
And it looks like you're going to play more like the GTA. You're definitely the bad guy. Um, <laughs> which is, is kind of a nice turnabout for the series because, you know, you get to play not just the moral good cowboy, but you get to actually play like the villainous, the, the black hat wearing cowboys. So I, I think. It, I hope it gives you some choices. Like, yeah. Maybe it gives you some choices if you want to do kind of the, the good or the bad or something like that. I think that would be. Well, it's on most Rockstar's games. Yeah, right? like most Rockstar yeah, they, games. They have some sense of moral choice to certain things, but they also allow the players to do a lot of their own thing. And I think if they're taking a lot of lessons from GTA V, which had a huge open world and had an incredible just the way they presented things in GTA V, you know, beyond just sort of the moral ambiguity of it, there's some really good concepts in there. And I think. And I hope that they're learning from that yeah. and I'm, using I'm that. Definitely super excited because, you know, GTA five, obviously it's a great game. I didn't even, I played it a little bit at a friend's house, but I just yeah. don't really love the setting of it and kind yeah, of what you do. Sure. So the old West setting, um, just gets me super excited. They got this... And the trailer, like this game looks insane. Like it mm-hmm. looks so, so the beautiful. environments and like the tone and the setting of Red Dead, <laughs> like the original Red Dead Redemption was the best part. Like, yeah, you feel like you're really playing this game in the West had all the music and everything. So being able to kind of go and see that in an even more beautiful, you know, advanced world that they've had all this time to make since the second one came out, I think is, um, or the original Red Dead came yeah. out. So, well, and if yeah. you watch the trailer, one last thing, it, they do say that all of this is captured in-game PS4 footage, so... Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously some of it's cut scenes, but it looks gorgeous. Yeah, it looks awesome. Um, so, next news piece here. Assassin's Creed Origins is coming out October 27th, which Woo-hoo. is in like three weeks, by the way, guys. And that's yeah. the same day as Wolfenstein... And my most hyped game of the year, Mario Odyssey. Like, the same to me that we're going to be playing new Assassin's Creed, a new Mario Odyssey, like, on the 27th, when, like, be- beginning of the year, we didn't even know those games really, like, existed for the most part. Yeah. Like, it's kind of crazy that those games are already kind of coming out. But uh, um, Assassin's Creed Origins is going to have a zero combat version that's going to be coming out uh, early 2018. Uh, so after launch, but it's going to be basically focusing on history because, um, you know, these games have so many people working on it who find all these realistic historical facts and they recreate the different actual structures and different parts of history. And so um, they're apparently kind of making this for like universities or like academic settings where you can really kind of explore the ancient Egypt uh, area and not have to worry about, you know, getting stopped by a guard every five feet (laughs) or, you know, all the problems that are in the open world. So Rob, being our big Assassin's Creed guy, like, are you excited for this? Like, does this make well, you want to get the game more? Well, see, I've always loved the fact that Assassin's Creed, while they may take some... Liberties? Liberties with history <laughs> itself, you know, and just how they deal with certain historic characters. They always have, like, the full, like, you know, kind of your journal that mm. you can get all the actual historic sites and information and events, and it gives you all the dates. And if like, you yeah, basically, all the like... when things were built and... Like, if you go and there's a character that you know is a real-life character, you'll look at their name and all their stuff, and you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then you'll go to, like, Wikipedia, which, you know, great source of information. But <laughs> you'll see that the dates actually match up. And it's not just because someone went and changed the Wikipedia page, but, like, those are actual historic dates, and you can see that. And so the fact that they're actually putting out an entire mode for this is pretty exciting. I think it'll be a good way to kind of get people... 
like understanding that, hey, we're not just playing out great games. We're trying to also make them have some sense of education to them. And also, I think it puts a big step towards games that aren't just fun, but also have that education value. Yeah, I I think it's really cool. I just wonder if anyone, like, how you would even use it in mm-hmm. an education. Like, you're a teacher, Jeff. Like, is yeah. there, could you see any way using this in an education I could. setting? Um, like, I use Google Earth with my students. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, if we're reading, you know, a story about, you know, Jerusalem or ancient Egypt or something, a lot of mm-hmm. times I will, you know, I'll zoom in and we can see these actual places that we're reading about. Um, on Google Earth and see that, you know, these are real places. Mm-hmm. They're not just a fictitious place we're reading a story about. Um, and so I could kind of see that. I mean, I I find it, it would probably be less in like a classroom setting, probably more I could see this happening in maybe like a university library or something maybe yeah. where it's like kind of set up as a station where it's like, hey, you know, we have this Egypt exhibit going on. You know, you can check out these different artifacts and books and stuff. Basically, and it would be like a museum. Almost, yeah, right? exactly. Because that's what they're kind of toting as. It's like yeah. you walk around and there's little different, uh, you find, oh, you find the pyramids of Giza. Then it will kind of just give you information. And I hope that it's audio. Like it goes and it's almost like an audio tour where you can actually hear people tell the real historical facts. Dude, if it had like audio logs that you could just listen yeah. to while you there's museums walk like around that, and you know? explore, that would be, that would be really cool. Yeah. So That'd be super cool. So especially uh, if there's like a, a fast travel button and you can just say, okay, here's, you know, 40 of these real life spots that we recreated with really good detail in the game, jump to anyone and just kind of explore it as you, we tell you about this real life place yeah. would be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the other thing this says to me is I guess Ubisoft feels really confident about kind of their world that they've created and stuff yeah. like that. Like they want people to kind of go in and look at it and not just kind of glance at it as they're running by on mm-hmm. a part of a mission, but really examine it in detail what's going on. So that's encouraging just for the overall game and the kind of realistic and authenticity of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So pretty cool. Maybe we'll see a trend. I, I think more games that have this, I guess the better really. I mean, it's yeah. kind of cool that they're putting it in there. For sure. Um, we'll see how it is when it comes out next year. So last piece of news <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog, the fastest thing with two feet, is getting a movie. It's been kind of in pre-development for the last couple of years. Sony had the rights to it. And they were going to make, plans were to make a live action movie with CG. So like, probably putting Sonic in like a real life action movie. So it'd be like Sonic NBA Jam? Space Jam? <laughs> or yeah, Space Jam. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... Basically, um, Sony kind of let the rights kind of fade away. And so Paramount has now picked it up. And it's gained a lot of traction. They've put some big names um, attached to this movie project now, including, um, I forget the name, but he was the director of the Deadpool movie. He's the executive producer on the Sonic the Hedgehog movie that's being made of Paramount, apparently. <laughs> Still apparently going to be live action with CG. But I thought that we would do Paramount a favor and we would give them our plot suggestions. And so... Sonic the Hedgehog movie, what do you guys want to see in a live-action CG Sonic the Hedgehog movie? I want to see Sonic have a romance with something that is actually a hedgehog, not a human. <laughs> well, there's Amy, isn't there? Yeah. Please don't bring Amy to the big screen. Let yes, die. Amy. Die in the console game. We, we want Amy and Sonic So you're going to have... think in like a rom-com kind of sort of, sort of style movie. I'm feeling the rom-com. Oh, goodness. Sonic and, like, his girlfriend moving into her apartment and trying to fit into the real world. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love it. I'm down. I love it. I like it. 
Uh, my idea is I want kind of a action thriller movie where uh, Sonic is uh, trying to defeat <laughs> Dr. Eggman, but uh, halfway through, he tragically dies, and uh, Shadow the Hedgehog has to step in and uh, kind of finish it out for him as the anti Yes! Uh, and, you know, use his guns from his solo Shadow game from the GameCube days. and Exactly. The dark, edgy, edgy side of Shadow. Exactly. Um, it needs at least a PG-13 rating. At least. You can't go hard, but it's got to be PG-13. from, like, reds and blues and greens... To like halfway through the movie when Shadow comes in, it all goes to like, was it Sin City? Yeah, it's <laughs> just like black and white. Red blood everywhere. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Okay, for my idea, I want Sonic the Hedgehog, the 4D user created movie theater experience. So is he gonna like um, shoot quills at us or something like that? No, no, no. In, in, in lieu of the Sonic Forces in labeling. Your own OC original character Sonic designs. I want them to make some type of companion app where you make your OC character, and in the movie, your character teams up with Sonic to defeat evil, and you put special 3D glasses on that makes your character appear rendered in the movie. Hey, that would be some pretty cool technology if that actually happened. That'd be amazing. I would go see it just for that, even if it got like 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. There would be thousands of Sonic... Uh, fan fiction writers would go and see that movie. Oh my god. Thousands of them. <laughs> Have you thought about all the crazy Sonic fan fiction we're gonna get here when Sonic Forces comes oh, out? Oh, it's gonna be gonna be all over the internet. It's gonna oh be real gosh. bad. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, sure. apparently Sega hasn't learned anything from the success of Sonic Mania. With every new trailer drops for Sonic Forces, I'm like, what? Okay, I haven't looked at it, but I heard that the new story trailer for Sonic's Forces uh-huh. makes the game look actually semi-decent really yes yeah, so I, mean, I, I, think I, I haven't looked it up but I need to go look it up and see if that's actually true true or not I feel I like if Sonic can get anywhere above like a 5 on IGN they're doing way better than pretty much the last 15 <laughs> 20 years of Sonic uh, uh, it just looked like a lot of the physics stuff is even like weird like Sonic Mania you know felt really fast and just like the old games and then I saw mm-hmm. some footage of forces that a guy captured at an event and, like, he just, like, stopped rolling when he went down a hill. And, like, it was just... It feels like the, they're trying to get the physics and stuff down right, which is, like, that's the most important part of Sonic game. Make it fast, make it feel good. So, yeah. anyways, Paramount, you're welcome. Uh, we expect our commission check in the mail. Uh, moving on, segment two, uh, we're going to talk about new releases. So, we're going to start off here with the SNES Classic. Um, Super Nintendo, obviously one of the... Most beloved video game consoles of all time. Nathan, you were telling me, you know a lot of people who say that's their favorite yep. um, console ever. And uh, there really is just a really, really good library. And there's something about those games that are so timeless. And the music, um, the art style, the way the game looks and, and play, like it's still very much accessible still. Um, and that goes for like almost all the games that are on the Super yeah. Nintendo Classic. Well, and you know, even thinking about, like, for example the game we're going to talk about in a little bit, Golf Story, that game looks like it could be a Super Nintendo game. Like, yeah. that art style the Super Nintendo had, like the 16-bit, has come back and is really popular with lots of different mm-hmm. indie games and other games that are coming out right now in 2017. So, Well, there's a whole... Like, um kind of the perfect Entire time. Steam library, like, or there's an entire software called RPG Maker that ba- basically yeah. you can make your own RPG in the SNES-style... 16-bit graphics. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can make There's your own so game. There's so many of these games. Like, you know, I think Stardew Valley, you think Rivals of Aether, you think of 
you know, Crypt Rise of the Necro Dancer. Like, there's so many of these games that use that kind of sprite-based SNES um, art style. And so, um, just these games are so timeless. They still play so good. And, you know, I got the NES Classic uh, last year playing the original Nintendo games. And, and while it was still really cool and fun, um, a lot of those games I played maybe three to five minutes, and I just kind of never really played them again. Yeah. I can really think of maybe the original Mario Bros., Mario Bros. 3, Tecmo Bowl, and maybe one or two other titles that I actually put in more than, like, 45 minutes of time into. And so, like, a lot of those games didn't necessarily age very well. They were kind of arcade games, you know, where they want you to get game overs quickly, so you're punching more quarters in. But all these Super Nintendo games are very, very deep, well-thought-out, just greatly, really, really good-designed games that are... Um, it's really suck you in. Like last night I was, I, uh, was showing, you know, the console to my grandma, um, who was over and, uh, she's like, Oh, Zelda, I've heard of that game. And so I'm like, yeah, let me show you. And so I started Link to the past and I sat there, you know, I'm like hour and a half later, I'm three dungeons into the game. I just <laughs> sitting in front of the, I'm like, okay, it's 1130 at night. I'm an adult. I need to go to bed. Can't stay up all night playing Super Nintendo games anymore. But, um, it's, the games are just so good. And that's, you know, the best thing about this system. Yeah. Um, totally. I it's just. I think the biggest difference is, like you said, even those NES games that are good, like Super Mario Brothers and stuff like that, those can be beaten in maybe like an hour and a half or something like that. If that, um, no, yeah, the original Mario Bros. that can be in like thirty minutes. Well, like, yeah, it's not long at all. Yeah, <laughs> so they're a lot shorter, and a lot of the Super Nintendo games and the ones specifically on this uh, on this system are designed to be multi-hour long experiences, like Link to the Past, like Final Fantasy VI. And lots of other games that are included. Oh, there's there's four really big RPGs on it. There's Earthbound, yeah. Final Fantasy, oh, I forgot Earthbound. Uh, Secret of Mana and uh, Mario RPG, which is made by Square. Uh, so there's those four RPGs. Just those four games alone, like have hundreds of hours of content. <laughs> like it's crazy how much you know you can play those games right there. Um, and you know you think of even the Super Mario World, which you compare it to the original Mario Bros. Like, there's over, I think, 86 levels or something in Mario World. And there's so many different secrets and different different uh, worlds that are so different and really, really fun to play even today. And so, um, some of those games are so great. And um, I did want to talk a little bit about kind of what the system UI looks like. It's very similar to the NES Classic. Um, it's got the menu, you know, it shows all the box art. You switch between the games. It has a cool little screensaver where, like, Mario and Luigi will jump around and, like, mess with your games and stuff. And has this cool kind of 16-bit music, but um, you can change the display to have a different kind of like background feature. So like it'll you have like a cool like red color. You can have like movie theater drapes. You can have like city skyline. So that's kind of a nice touch because you know these games aren't originally widescreen HD games necessarily. 4. 3, but yeah. um, the games look really really good. I was streaming Donkey Kong Country the other night, and you said it looked really good even yeah, on the stream. Yeah, it looked really great on the stream. I was really impressed, um, and I think. You can just tell Nintendo has gone in and kind of put a fair amount of work into making mm-hmm. these games look really bright and beautiful as compared to, like, the Wii U and Wii yeah, U console. some other emulation. Or even, like, we went to a local game store this weekend, yeah. and uh, they had one of those kind of knockoff Super Nintendo reproduction consoles where you can play games on it, you know. And on the screen, it looked really, really dark and dim. I'm just like, oh, man, like, seeing that and just playing the Super Nintendo Classic earlier today, you could totally tell it. The emulation and the colors and everything look really, really good. It really pops. And um, you can save four safe states per game again, like the NES Classic. But the cool thing, there's this new re-rank feature that I just found out it had, like, two days ago. Um, basically, what happens is if you push the reset button, it, like, you know, freezes your game. And if you push X, 
then your game will start back up and it'll rewind the game about 40 seconds or so. And so it depends on the game. Some of the RPGs I heard is longer than 40 seconds, but yeah. most of the game saves it'll load back 45 seconds and it'll just start playing the game like automatically. So it'll show you what you did in the last 45 seconds. At any point, you can fast forward ahead or backwards and just push A and you'll automatically just retake command right there. And so, so it's the easy mode for people who... Well, exactly, yeah. Or even if like you want to like go back and go a different way or like... I, I tried it to like manipulate one of the, the systems in there on like the Zelda Link to the Past. You know, there's the guy who's like, oh, you know, pick pick which treasure chest. You pay 20 and open one and see if you get more. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I tried it. I went, yeah. and went back and I watched my guy go all the way. And then I just tried it. I'm like, oh, I picked that one last time. I'm going to pick the middle. Oh, 50 rupees. So like, you could totally, totally use that for different features. But I just thought it was really, really well implemented. It wasn't clunky like most safe states. It, Literally, just starts replaying what you did, and you just resume the controller whenever you yeah. want. And so, I thought that was a really cool little feature there that wasn't really advertised. I feel yeah. like that's, that's one awesome. of those like, oh crap, I died to those boss again. Rewind. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's it's good for me for getting those hundred percent runs too, because like a game like Yoshi's Island, like there's so many little collectibles that you're trying to find, mm-hmm. and so you know you like I was fighting a boss earlier, and I got hit right at the end, so like my little meter went from thirty seconds down to like twenty six. You have to replay the whole level to get 30 again. So I just quickly just had to rewind and I beat it with full power so I didn't have to redo the level. So it just saves, saves a lot of time too. But um, yeah, so really, really cool. Hardware-wise, it's a perfect small redesign. Even down to like all the little creases underneath and on the bottom of the console. Like, Hey, listen! Sorry we just had a technical difficulty. We're back here on the Hey Listen Games cast. And finishing up our coverage of the Super Nintendo Classic, we did want to take a few minutes to talk about Star Fox 2, which is obviously the sequel to the original Star Fox game that uh, came out for the Super Nintendo. And it was never released, even though it was finished. By the time, you know, Nintendo had finished developing this game, um, they'd been promoting it, showing it at shows, but the PlayStation had just launched, 64 was right around the corner, and they knew that just the graphics didn't really hold up to their high standard in it just wasn't going to be received well if it did come out um, at the time. And so it was never released, and this is the first time us as a general public have gotten an official chance to play it from Nintendo directly. It is on this device, and when I first heard this, that made me so excited because I'm a huge Star Fox fan. I own every single Star Fox game. I've played them all. Um, big fan of the series, and being able to play this Shigeru Miyamoto Star Fox game that's never been really seen by human eyes before was really exciting to me. Um, and so the coolest thing I really appreciate about this game is you can see all these different influences um, and things that mechanics that were in this game that were later reworked into other Star Fox games. So like the Star Wolf team, for example, pops up and you have to fight them in a deep space battle in Star Fox 2 for the Super Nintendo. And like that didn't happen until Star Fox 64 rolled around, you know, a couple years later. So there's tons of little things like that, that you just see these mechanics and characters and things that were introduced that later mm-hmm. just kind of worked their way into future games. And I think it's something Nintendo does do a lot. We just don't really see because, yeah. yeah. you know, they might have tons of ideas for our Mario game, but they'll usually, you know, put a lot of them in their back pocket and focus on their core mechanic or gameplay idea. And, you know, a couple of years later, you might see it come back again. Yeah, that's something Wait, Would you say that a lot of... Would you say that uh, Star Fox 2 is a good game? Um, I'll say it's 
not a bad game, um, mm. but like that was one of the first things I did with the Super Nintendo. Me and Nathan, we jumped right into it. I'm like, oh, this is really you know cool. Like it's cool to see like how they pulled off this game because it's not on rails like Star Fox 64 or Star Fox for Star Fox One is. You're in open space like for the majority of the game, so you're wandering around space. You're flying into enemy battleships, turning into like the Chicken Walker that yeah. came back in Star Fox Zero. You know, going around a 3D space to shoot, you know, a boss, uh, doing mm-hmm. dog fights in the air from a first-person perspective. Um, and so it's just really cool to see these different ideas, and we had fun with it. But as soon as I started playing the other games on the Super Nintendo Classic, I'm like, these games are so good. Like, why would I go back and play Star Fox yeah. too? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's honestly so, yeah. it's just such a cool, because it's basically like a lost piece of history that has come back now, is available widely for people to play. Yeah. Um, so... Just that it's more, makes it really neat. Um, but the one of the coolest things I think about it is the map, especially for the time when the game was actually made. Like basically, you have this big map, and there's kind of these different different objectives that you're supposed to fly around. But as you fly around the world map, before yeah, world you go map, into the level, yeah. and as you fly around to like, let's say, oh, I see this planet over here that I need to fly over to because something might attack it. As you're flying over there enemy ships might fly towards a different planet and you're like, oh, I need to go and protect those things. So it, the map kind of interacts and reacts to what you're doing, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know if uh, a game back then had done that at all, at least not, really, not that yeah. I remember. So, so it what you're saying like is are... it more like an open, real living world? Kind of, yeah. Kind of. I mean, what, in a very limited what, I mean, sense. the majority of games at that time. Way, yeah. yeah. I mean, and if you played Star Fox Command for the DS, um, that's probably the heaviest game that drew the heaviest from Star Fox 2 because it does have that touchscreen map with the different planets mm-hmm. and ships and you would draw routes for the different ships and they would do encounters with missiles and it was all all range mode just like this game. And so um, seeing that they originally had this idea in 1995 on this 16-bit, you know, 2D console and made it kind of work and, you know, the controls are a little bit wonky because you don't have two control sticks like we're used to nowadays. But uh, being able to control it with a you know, just a regular Super Nintendo D-pad and shoulder buttons and everything. And it is playable. You can play through and beat the game and stuff. Um, it's just kind of really cool to see the history and just how this ideas this game had. Because if I would have played that game when I was 1995, like, I would have loved it as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> that that being like, said, so, as soon as I got the 64, I probably would have never played it again. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure, like, Nintendo had a good reason to cancel it because the PlayStation had come out at that time and that had true 3D graphics yeah. instead of... yeah. But so it it's more like a cool. uh, it's a good experience in more in the sense of the nostalgia factor, as well as the fact that if it had come out when it was originally slated to be released, it would have been incredible or been a really good game and a fun game. But yeah, sure. it's just out of its time, almost. You know, yeah, early yeah. 3D games they, don't hold up just as well no, uh, nowadays. Not. While they you know something not. like Super Mario World or Super Metroid still look very pretty today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I was even playing. A little bit of Final Fantasy and Contra last night on it, and they just have these huge like character sprites, like these giant boss yeah. enemies that just look so detailed and so gorgeous even today. Well, but, and shout out really quickly to uh, Kyle Anthony on Twitter because he asked the question. He's like, "So do you guys think there'll be a N64 classic? Because um, you know, oh, I hope so. the NES and SNES." Mm-hmm. And well, I definitely would really want that because the N64 is the console that I grew up on. Like. I can't imagine, like, let's say it released next year in 2018 that a Nintendo 64 very early 3D polygonal graphics would <laughs> look good on, like, a yeah. uh, 
50 inch 40 inch widescreen exactly. tv yeah so. there was a rumor so this is just kind of a fun fact i saw a page that said about four years ago three years ago mm-hmm. nintendo registered properties for three controllers that uh essentially have become part of the each of the classic systems mm-hmm. the nes the snes and the nintendo 64 one and so far, they've been predicted. They've used that predict the classics coming out. Mm. Yeah, and they both have been right. So yeah. I mean, there I is know. this. There is this evidence. Could that happen. They're definitely selling well. Classic. There's a lot of interest. Yeah, there's a lot of interest, and in, you know, <clears throat> I'm sure an N64 classic would sell well based on like you said, Rob. Nostalgia alone, just because so many I people would get one. played that and enjoyed that, and I know I would get one, and I haven't gotten an NES or NES classic. So yeah, exactly. I would be like. I Definitely kind of a different market. A little bit younger to get generation would go for the 64. Yeah, classic. exactly. The kind of yeah. a little bit more the millennial yeah, exactly. generation would, would go. Um, so. so overall, Super Nintendo Classic, awesome system. I'm definitely recommend it. Cost eighty dollars. Comes with both controllers out of the box. Controller cords are a little bit longer. They're still kind of short, which I actually didn't mind because it actually kind of forces me to play games in close proximity <laughs> with the people, like with Donkey Kong or Kirby and stuff, and so. It makes you feel like a kid again. You know, you can actually give lots of high fives like crisscross applesauce staring exactly, up at the TV exactly like you were on the floor. Yeah, oh yeah, to- totally brings you back. Makes, makes me feel like a kid again. Um, definitely recommend it. I've I've already played. I think you know eighty percent of these games, and I'm still so in love. I think it's such an awesome system. I'm so yeah. glad I got it. So if you missed out on even you know half or a quarter of these games, I would still even say you know it's it's worth the price of admission and. Nintendo has already shipped and sold more of these than they have sold the entire run of NES Classic. So there are definitely more of them out there. More will be coming. So um, just be vigilant and keep looking. You know, they'll pop up online yeah. or in stores. And Hopefully I definitely recommend it if you, if you well, can get one. Cool. So our uh, next segment here, we're going to talk about Golf Story, which does look very similar to an NES game. It or does. Super Nintendo yeah, game. Yeah, so Golf Story... Um, the kind of the crazy thing about this is this game was actually kind of announced in the indie direct that Nintendo did a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so we all, we've only known about this we've game only for known a about it weeks. for a couple weeks, and people are like, mm-hmm. "Oh, what's that? That looks kind of cool." Um, because the visual style is very similar to like a Super Nintendo game where it's sixteen bit um, top down view, and so people are like, uh, "What's going on with that game?" And then uh, last week on like Monday, I think they announced, "Hey, this game is coming out on Thursday, like three days before it got released." Mm-hmm. Um, and so, luckily enough, the developer, Sidebar Games, uh, they gave us a couple of review codes. So, uh, Jeff and I have both been playing it on our Switches. Um, right now, it's only on the Switch. I think they probably have a console it's exclusivity now, for yeah. a certain amount of time, I would guess. And then it'll probably come out on other platforms. But, yeah, yeah this game, really cool. It's made by an Australian developer um, called Sidebar Games. They're apparently just a two-man team wow, that's out awesome. of Australia. I didn't know that. It's pretty and impressive. I think they've, I was looking up, I think they've been working on this game for about a year and a half. Um, Very cool. So just kind of jumping into it, what did it, um, what a lot of people have kind of compared it to is the original uh, Mario Golf on Game Boy Color mm. because it's very arcadey kind of top down um, looking golf game with a, you know, 16 bit st- art style. And then not only do you kind of play through golf tournaments and stuff like that, um, but there's also tons of little kind of side quests and challenges um, that you do go around. So instead of just going from like, hey, I played this tournament on this hole, now I just move on to the next tournament, 
said you're in in an open world. Um, you're wandering around, and like you're the, wandering the golf around, courses, and you can yeah. go up and talk to different characters, and they'll be like, "Hey, do you want to try and complete this challenge?" Or I need you. They give you little quests and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So it is like a basic RPG. Yeah, it's not in the style of maybe you know, Final Fantasy, where you're going around doing tons of battles and grinding. Pretty much just talking to different characters. Similar, I would say, almost like Pokemon. You know, Pokemon games when you go to a new town, you go talk to every single person yep. because some people give you items, some people you know tell you secrets. So you just kind of get to all the different golf areas and you talk to the. <coughs> Excuse me, you just talk to the characters and they give you little fun challenges and things to do. Yeah, exactly. So go ahead, here's Rob. a real, really important question about this game: Can you golf anywhere? Yes, so you can, this is a really cool thing, is you can golf anywhere. You just uh, press Y, basically, and wherever you're standing, you can drop a golf ball, and it'll set you up, and you can shoot at whatever um, yeah. whatever you want to. <laughs> so actually, straight into so, someone's face. I was so kind that's, of that was the second follow-up question, was yeah. can, you, can you attack people with golf balls? Yes. Yes, you can attack people with golf balls, and there's actually a character in the game that's like, hey, I need to test your power. Hit me as hard as you can with a golf ball. And you're like, uh, okay, I'll be fine. And then you like have to hit him as hard as you can. And then he's like, oh, you're a good shot. Like, yeah, I, I got to that part. I kept getting almost max power. Yeah. And he's like, oh, you're not strong enough. I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? This drive goes like 160 yards, dude. Come on. Yeah. That's that's one of the be- other really great things about this game is the writing is hilarious. Like, yeah. Every character I want to talk to because... Um, they kind of pl- have different archetypes, and each character has a little bit of a different personality. Um, and they say kinda some like, really generally funny things. It's kind of like the the concept behind Pokemon, where you could talk to everyone, and everyone has a little bit of different things, and except better dialogue overall. Yeah, yeah dialogue def- is awesome. The dialogue <laughs> is really really great, and kind of the the cool thing about it too is there's kind of there's some different secrets and stuff that you can find hidden around. Like uh, there's. Uh, I don't want to spoil things too much, but um, in each world, there's like a secret guy you can find who basically is like, hey, I kind of made up my own golf course, and I want you to try and hit, um, uh, to hit, what is it called when you're playing golf? I don't know. <laughs> hit par? Yeah, to try and, he basically sets up his own golf course where you um, try and shoot from different areas of the course than yeah. normally would and stuff like that. And some of that involves like shooting over buildings or shooting over people. Or like between trees and stuff like that. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, another neat thing is too, there's uh, disc golfers in the game. <laughs> oh my gosh. And the game like portrays disc golfers as kind of like these punky kids that aren't wanted or welcome and they have taken over part of the golf and they're ruining the legacy of the pure sport of golf. And so... Um, I thought it was kind of funny, and they would talk to me and be like, oh, what are you staring at? We're disc golfers over here. And I I ended up buying a disc golf at the pro shop and went over, and they challenged me. So you actually can play disc golf in this game. And the mechanics are totally different because you're you're twirling, you know, a a disc golf, and you're going left and right, trying to get it in the basket. And I think they pop up in every world, so there's all these different disc golf challenges, too, which was kind of funny. I wasn't expecting that. It's really cool. And the way they're written is just hilarious, because they're, like, these elitist disc golfers. Yes, exactly. We're so much better than everyone else. And it's a little bit funny, because if you know anyone who has played disc golf seriously, those archetypes are totally true in some It's not a frisbee. It's a disc. (laughs) Like, (laughs) exactly. Um, So, yeah, it's a really, really cool game overall. Um, I've been really enjoying it. I think I've put about... 
three and a half, four hours into it. I'm on the, there's kind of different areas and courses that um, you get to explore and interact with different characters mm. and stuff. And I'm on the mm. third area. Um, gotcha. I'm just about to complete the third area. I'm still in the second area, which is like all like prehistoric themes. So like, yeah. there's a lot of like caveman type looking guys and there's dinosaur bones everywhere. And so there is a kind of fun and interesting to explore. And every time you complete a challenge, you get a little bit of money. Like you make like five bucks and you can go buy new clubs and stuff. And then you also get a little bit of XP every time you complete a challenge. And you use those to get upgrade your skill points so you can drive it farther. You can are more accurate with your shots and, you know, different stats like that. But, um, yeah, I was just really surprised with how well it kind of captured that old school charm. Like it definitely yeah. feels like an old school, like Super Nintendo type game. And like when I first like hit my first golf ball into the into the hole, and it, you know here that it has a very realistic kind of golf ball, you know, dunk, 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 like yeah. going in the cup, and it mm-hmm. wasn't just like a, a beep or a boop like the old sixteen bit games. I was like, wait, what? Like, oh, that's right, this game's like a new game. It's not an old game that has you know sound limitations. They can put real sound effects in this game. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, um, and they can, and it has a quick play mode too. Where you, if you just want to play straight golf, you can do that. And yeah, and it has a one or two players, which is really cool. So you can theoretically play bring your switch and be like hey man you want you have like 10 minutes and play around a golf with your friend or whatever um, yeah the actual like very quick too yeah like, the actual kind of feel of the golf game and stuff like that like the when you're actually playing golf it's pretty simple um it kind of has like the three hit trigger that you press the button in the right spot and you'll get a good shot based on accuracy mm-hmm. and power and stuff like yeah. that um so it's not very complicated which i know i really appreciate um i guess the biggest thing so far is just the game is pretty easy overall but mm. i think the point is to be able to have everyone whether you're you know you actually like golf and really enjoy it or if you're someone who has never really played golf before yeah, that, it's, yeah it's definitely like it's not jack it's not no, like jack nicholas no it's not like tiger woods or pj tiger woods or you know whatever <laughs> so, that is now but it's, it's definitely it's not made would by you any. guys say it's so you guys would say it's worth the buy yeah, it's uh, I think it's fifteen dollars. Fifteen on the Switch bucks, e- which e- is pretty fair. Right yeah. um, it's and, actually number one in the charts. Right yeah, now. it's actually I was looking up. It's number one, the number one selling game on the Nintendo eShop right now, which is really really cool because yeah. the, the I think the game is totally worth it, and you know it plays really well. The dev team has been really supportive, um, kind of behind the game and stuff like that. Yeah, so. and there, there's a lot of followers on the show and tweeting about it on Twitter, and everyone seems pretty pretty happy with their purchases and stuff like that, and. Um, you know, if you're any interested at all in light, funny RPGs, similar to like maybe Earthbound, you know, it's a very hilarious 16-bit RPG, or you even like just golf games in general, definitely check it out. My, my only complaint really is that it isn't very hard. Like it kind of chooses your clubs for you. Um, you can obviously modify it and make it harder for yourself if you want to, but uh, it is definitely very, very accessible, um, which, you know, this is coming from the person who plays... <laughs> NES golf annually with my dad all the time. <laughs> that game was pretty pretty brutal at times, um, but it is it is pretty easy. So don't feel like you know if you're not a big sports guy or haven't played golf games before, you can totally pick it up and, and feel successful. Which yeah, is exactly. I think uh, when we were first playing, you said you kind of made a good point. You were like, "This kind of feels like a golf version of Earthbound," mm-hmm. um, which I can totally see. Yeah, based on what oh, it that's looks pretty like cool. Because you're playing as like a, a kid basically, yeah. who's trying to grow up and basically become a professional golfer and you're in this club interacting with all these different other young up-and-coming golfers who are getting trained by the coaches so they all you know act like they say very kid-like things that are really humorous and insults and stuff so yeah. it's yeah it's it definitely has that feel but yeah definitely check kind of out like golf earthbound story. meets pokemon 
with golf. Exactly. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. I like it. Golf Story. That was fun. But uh, yeah, definitely check out Golf Story for Nintendo Switch. Um, that's the only place you can get it right now, so definitely, definitely and, check that out. And it out. feels, one more quick thing, is it, it just feels like a really great game for Switch because I think I've played this mode game almost entirely in handheld mode, mm-hmm. and it's really easy to jump in and play like a couple holes or complete one objective and then be like, all right, I'm done, and turn it off because I need to go do something else. And that HD rumble feels really good, too. Yeah, the HD <laughs> rumble is surprisingly um, really neat. Like when it goes in the hole, it like jiggles around and vibrates the different uh, you know uh, controllers and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, de- definitely glad it came out on the Switch. It's a good good platform for this type of game. Um, so we're just going to end the show with what we're playing um, this week. This is our final segment of the show. Um, I haven't done a lot of games this week, but I have been playing more of the Super Mario Run update. Did I talk about this on the last week at all? Uh, I don't think you did. We didn't get a chance to do our what we were playing that's last right. week. Oh, that's right. We, we actually dropped that segment so, last week. Um, yeah, so Super Mario Run got an update. It's only $5 right now. It's discounted half half off until, I think, the next 10 days or so to like celebrate October this. October 12th, I think, or somewhere yeah. around there. Um, and, you know, I bought the original game for $10, and I really enjoyed it. After I beat all the levels, which there were 24 levels in the original game, and there's a couple, you know, the Toad Rally levels were kind of like Endless Runner type levels that... Had some new stuff, but for the most part, you're kind of replaying a lot of the levels over again. Um, so this new update adds in nine new Star Wars levels. And so that oh, brings wow. the game's level total from 24 up to 33. And these new levels aren't like basically reskinned, copy and paste textures. These are literally all new levels that have enemies and worlds and different designs and features that aren't in any of the other levels. So like... They put a lot of time into this update, and I can totally tell. And I was excited because I saw these nine Star Worlds. I'm like, great, you know, I've already unlocked every single coin and every different challenge in the game. I've 100%ed it, you know. Um, and so when I went to jump into these nine harder Star World challenges, I had to unlock the different ones by doing different objectives. So, like, one you unlock by beating the game as Peach. And so, you know, you went back and fought Bowser as Peach, unlocked that one. There's another one that you had to defeat this level that had Goombas all over. I think it was World 4 or 2 or something. <clears throat> and you had to beat the level without touching any of the Goombas. And so like, I had to replay it like six times. At the end, I kept accidentally sliding into a Goomba and stomping him. Um, and so it's really cool because you actually have... It's a, it's a lot of fun this, on just unlocking the new levels, too. You talking about this makes me want Nintendo to put some kind of achievement system in yes. the Switch. Like, <laughs> because... Achievements like that, where it challenges you to complete something based on doing something certain like that, those are the best kind. Yeah. And so if they're doing this for Super Mario Run, they could do it for a lot of other games. So Totally, totally. Well, and um, those are just the best achievements overall, the ones that you're like, well, this goes against everything I know and believe about video games. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, try doing this objective in a optional, more difficult, or weird way, you know, that you wouldn't yeah. want to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's nine new levels, and then there's also a brand new <clears> mode. Uh, previously, there was only you know the Toad Rally mode or the World Tour, which is the standard levels. There's a new mode called Remix 10, where you play through 10 very, very short micro levels. And like these levels are literally so short, they're only about maybe 10 seconds tops. They're 5 to 10 seconds long, and you go very, very quickly. There's three new Rainbow Coin collectibles that you try to get. And then as soon as you hit the flagpole, Mario immediately jumps off and keeps running. The next level comes straight up. And so you're literally just playing back-to-back-to-back-to-back, to back to back to back, 10 really short, quick levels. 
there's this insane new music. It like remixes all these different Mario tunes from all the different Mario games. Like I loved it. I was like, oh wait, that's Mario World. Oh wait, that's Mario 64 music. Oh, that's you know. Uh, and then you just play these different kind of randomly generated shorter levels. Every time you beat it, you get a little loot box that adds new stuff to your kingdom. Um, and eventually, if you play it enough, you unlock Daisy as a new character. Which I don't know why it's Daisy. Like I don't want to have to play a game with Tony. I'm like Daisy of all people, but um, it is a, it is a fun new mode. It's kind of this is kind of what Mario Run needed, really. It has, yeah, because it hadn't had really. This is about a year after. Well, nine. It launched earlier this earlier yeah. this year on yeah. all everything. So okay, so it's been six, seven months. Something. Like yeah. That. So um, I think this is great. A lot of new levels, brand new mode. That's really fun and accessible. Really, still the only bummer about this game is it's always online. That's required to play, so you have to be connected to the internet. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. This $5 price tag right now, I think it's definitely worth the price. You're getting 34 levels plus two other really fun endless runner type modes. So um, yeah, a lot of fun. I've been, I've been playing it more than I thought. My daughter loves it. I, I play with the sound on, and she just loves hearing the sound effect of the coins. Like She's totally my daughter. <laughs> You're already training her. She's like, what, four oh wow! Exactly. Like she's she's really really like she can't even play it yet, but uh, it's fun. Um, but yeah, other than that, I've been playing uh, SteamWorld Heist, which is Image Form. Obviously, this is the game that they made between SteamWorld Dig and SteamWorld Dig Two, um, and it's totally different. It's not an exploration game. Similar aesthetic, right? Similar aesthetic. It's still in the Steam World, yeah. Um, but it's just, it's placed a little bit in the future, and you're basically playing as space cowboy robots. Yep. <laughs> It's so you have a ship and you start off with just two of you and your crew and you recruit new members to add to your party. You select which ones you want. And it has this really neat gameplay where it's turn-based where, you know, you move your characters and you're shooting weapons. Then the other enemy takes their turn. They move and shoot. But it's all on a 2D plane, if that makes sense. So it's not top-down like you think of, you know, Fire Emblem or Advanced Wars yeah. or something. Or so you're on this 2D like plane. Yeah, exactly. And you're, you're going, you're shooting weapons. Your, a lot of the weapons have little laser sights, so you can bounce all your bullets off of different walls. You can knock off hats. There's over, like, 70 collectible hats in the game. Um, and it has it has a lot of writing. It's got some good, good humor and dialogue. And I wasn't really sure what to think at first, but, like, after the third mission, I totally got, kind of got hooked by this, like, the gameplay. Like, it totally... Once you kind of understand how it works, it's very unique. It's not really, like, anything I've seen. Um, it's a lot of fun and the characters all have unique abilities to unlock every time you beat levels. And so, you know, you can equip certain weapons and one character, you know, gives bonus damage to any character on your team who's standing next to them. Another one, basically anytime they get a kill shot, they get to immediately shoot again. And so you want to kind of damage enemies, but not quite finish them off and have that character finish them off. So they get to shoot again. Um, and there's like loot scattered around the level that's all optional and so you can kind of make the level more difficult to, difficult by going and trying to get all the bonus treasure chests and stuff but um, yeah i put about two hours into it so far and i really 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 enjoying it so it's another really good quality game from that developer they're committed you know to the steam world universe and it's cool to see them do use those same kind of character design and, and world but do a totally different genre game with it yeah so. Awesome. If you if you like that art style and you like strategy games, definitely check it out. It's you know five ten bucks now. Um, it's it's uh, been out for about a year or two, so it's mm-hmm. not too expensive either. So yeah, um, do we want to talk about the pinball museum, Nathan? Um, yeah, sure. So uh, 
this last weekend, uh, Jeff, you and I, and a couple other friends, we went down to the Seattle Pinball Museum. Yeah, it was in the International District. Yeah. Then, <laughs> oh, that's random. super cool. But yeah, we went to this pinball museum and basically you pay like a flat fee and then you can spend as much time as you want playing all of these different pinball uh, machines and stuff that they yeah, have there. They're, they're all unlocked on free play. So yeah, they're all unlocked on free play. Once you're in, you can just stay there as long as you want and yeah, play pinball. Play oh, that's games awesome. Want, which is really cool. Um, one of the cool things, because um, it is called the Pinball Museum, so above each table they kind of have like a little history of like, this is the year that this um, pinball was released and this is kind of some of the history behind it and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, like, I, I took a couple pictures of some that I thought were interesting. Like, there was one uh, game called Kingpin, and it was released in 1973. And it was a highly collectible pin, which features a uh, 10-target bank and two kickout holes. And so, there's four different flippers on the board. It was one of the first games to have four flippers and ten little targets. So, basically, the idea is, you know, you're like a bowling ball, and you're trying to knock down all ten little pins at the top of the board. And that's how you get a lot of points. And so... It has the year that came out, who made it, who did the art, and it has like the IPDB fun rating, which is like a pinball website that you know categorizes every pinball game ever made, and you know user scores, and so it tells like you the Metacritic of pinball. Exactly, so it tells you basically its Metacritic score, yeah, um, for pinball users, and so you can say, oh wow, this is you know a really highly acclaimed pinball game I've never heard of, or and they had every game basically listed chronologically, and so you can play these games that were from. The 70s, even late 60s. Oh my gosh. All the way up to like the you know, biggest modern thing things. I learned going here was like the early pinball machines, like the, especially the ones in the 60s and early 70s, were so hard. Like the flippers yes. were like <laughs> really, really short. Um, so there was a lot, huge space where the ball could roll through. And I guess that was because they were trying to get you to put more quarters in and stuff yeah. like that. But also, did they give the you five it, balls though? Because they expected you to, yeah, to they, die they quicker. To lose a lot, yeah. yeah. So that was you know, nowadays it's three three balls per game. Um, so, but yeah, that part was really interesting just because I don't think I could get like above a very high score. And yeah. also, like, you would score like 10 points and 20 points instead yeah, it wasn't of like 1,000 points <laughs> and 100,000 points. So but it was interesting to see kind of how pinball cool. has evolved over time and changed. Yeah, what was your favorite one that you played? Oh, gosh. Um, I think my favorite one, there were kind of two that were tied for it. Um, one of them was. Let me see. I think it took. Better not be Medieval Madness because that's my choice. <laughs> uh, Medieval Madness was definitely up there, but I think my favorite overall was a. Uh, oh, not that one. There was a. What was the the other one that you really liked? Star Wars Episode One. No, not Star Wars. Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. The Twilight <laughs> Zone one was actually really really cool. It had some really cool. Uh, kind of different. It came out in the early nineties. Um, yeah, it came out in the early nineties, mm-hmm. so it was themed around that, and it had some really cool ways to just kind of play the ball and stuff like that. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then there was the other- like magnets on it. So like you could hit the ball up into this upper area and then there was these little hidden magnets that basically would make the ball seemingly like kind of float or move around yeah. on its own when you hit the triggers. So I'd never seen that in a pinball game before. It was really, really yeah. cool. It was very, very unique, which was awesome. And the other one I really liked, which I guess this just tells how bad <laughs> I am at pinball, was the Star Trek <laughs> Like, uh, collector's edition came out, table it came, was from 2013. Oh, yeah. And it, it just felt really good. Like, it was kind of a, it was pretty easy mm-hmm. to kind of get combos mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and it reminded me a lot of me playing Zen Pinball on the Wii U. So. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, Medieval wow. Madness is my favorite because literally you have the box art, which I'll tweet, tweet it out. Or I think I did tweet it out uh, right before the show. So check, check my Twitter. But uh, 
Um, it's basically this crazy, like, there's this knight storming a castle, and there's all these crazy trolls. There's, like, a person trying to snip Rapunzel's hair. There's banana peels. There's all this crazy stuff. In the game, you're literally doing everything that you would do, like, in medieval times. You're doing lancing contests. You're saving princesses and castles. And the best part was you would fight trolls that these two trolls would pop out of the ground, like literal troll heads. You had to hit them, hit them with the pinball. And then if you got it past them, you could, there was an actual physical castle on the board. And if you hit the door, the door would prop down, the drawbridge would drop. And if you hit it inside of the castle, you would storm the castle. And it was made of all these little rubber pieces that had like all these rumble sensors. So the castle literally jiggle around and look like it was exploding. And this was like actual physical pieces like on the on the uh, table. And my first game, I went off like 15 minutes of this amazing <laughs> run. And I'm just like, oh, this game is so much fun. Like, yeah, it was I, super detailed. Yeah, there's like, so many different cool. little pieces to the game. Yeah. You know, those are the best pinball machines, I think, is when there's lots of unique pieces and physical things that you can interact with on the on the table. So. Um, anyways, if you're in the Seattle area, definitely check it out. It's the Seattle Pinball Museum, the downtown historic uh, district. Um, really, really, really cool. If you like, you know, video game or pinball history, or even just casually enjoy pinball, it's definitely worth checking out. Yep. Cool awesome. Place. Rob, what are you playing? All right, so kind of going back because we didn't do it last week. I played uh, NBA Live 18 last week. Um, did I was, you like it? I was curious because they had the demo out for it, and so you could try the demo. And I played it a little bit, and you know, um, Nathan and I are both pretty hardcore 2K fans. And I'll be honest, it felt—I think Nathan said this word last week—it felt a little bit more arcadey, yeah, yeah, than NBA 2K. And I don't think I necessarily enjoyed it as much. I think the leveling up system was a lot cooler, like how you got better skills and how you got better at playing the game. I like that a lot better than 2K. It felt a little bit easier and more natural than what 2K sometimes does with their complicated microtransactions. Yeah, I... But... Go ahead. But I didn't really like the game flow itself. It didn't flow very well. The controls felt a little wonky, and maybe that's just because I was used to 2K, but it didn't feel as smooth just gameplay-wise as 2K. For sure. Uh, I played through the NBA Live demo a couple of weeks ago, and I think the thing I took away from it was the my player part of it, kind of where you're playing is just one player yeah. going through a story. Um, I actually enjoyed it more than 2Ks because this is the way it's set up. It's a little bit easier to upgrade your player and equip different yeah. things and stuff like that. And I found the story a little bit more interesting than the 2K one. Um, but the actual kind of five on five style basketball and stuff like that, which is the majority of the game. <laughs> yeah. I didn't feel as good because yeah, which is it, they just haven't had as much games. time to kind of polish and refine, refine that. Yeah. And it was definitely a fair amount easier and felt more kitty, less realistic than 2k. So yeah. something you would might be into Jeff, I guess. Oh, maybe sounds maybe. like you guys are still saying 2k is the obvious choice that they're both the same price though. Yeah. Well, uh, I yeah. released for I think forty dollars instead of sixty. Oh, really? Oh, so I, I think it is a little bit cheaper than two K, which That's is a smart that. move by EA. Yeah. For yeah, sure. I would say I, if I if they were the same price, I would pick two K up every time, just because yeah. I feel like it was a better basketball game. But being forty dollars, NBA Live is a little bit more tempting, okay. and it is cool. the arcade system is fun. Yeah, I, uh, I did see that they put WNBA players in for the first time, which mm-hmm. I think is yeah, I think that's kind of cool. That's, that's cool really feature. cool. Oh, there's a lot of people been... were kind of disappointed by that because I feel like the WNBA players played more like just a regular person, like the mm-hmm. regular players, rather than yeah, the, I like, an actual unique. 
Well, it's better like, than not even acknowledging they exist, I think. <laughs> yeah, like sure. five foot six girl going down the court and dunking yeah. type model. <laughs> I have no idea how it actually works. I just, I just saw that they put them in there. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so. what, what else have you been playing, Rob? Uh, so I also played a little bit of Stardew Valley with my wife the other day. Oh, nice. Um, it's coming out on Switch on Thursday. It's, yeah. It's yeah, we were kind Stardew. of... Uh, inspired a lot by Nathan because he plays a lot of this game and he plays a lot with his wife. I was like, oh, hey, you want to try this game? And she's like, sure. So we tried it uh, switching off uh, every day. So I would do one day and then she would do the next day. And um, she was super, like, she kind of understands the game concept. Like, I was actually kind of proud of her. She stepped up and just, like, put her fingers immediately on the WASD spot <laughs> nice. i was like hey you actually know that it's like yeah my brother was a computer gamer so i know enough about this <laughs> that's good that's more like, than that's i know good. when it comes to computer gaming <laughs> right but i think part of the thing with the stardew valley that she found a little frustrating was she would do the we were trying to like the first quest you get is to find and meet all the people in town yeah and she's like this is stupid this is taking too long the people aren't even in the same place i can't find them all <laughs> Never mind. And so she just went back to the farm and just started working on the farm. See, that's actually, that's how you're supposed to play the game. Like, the game gives you quests that you can complete, but for the most part, unless they're time-sensitive, which there are a couple it gives you, you can kind of just ignore it and do whatever you want in the game. It just kind of provides a suggestion if you're like, I don't know what to do. It's like, here, here's one thing so you can do. there's a quest do. line if you want to play, very yeah, linear, but exactly. you can really do your own You can really do your own thing, and the that's game doesn't nice. yeah. punish you for that, which is nice. Yeah. Uh, I think her favorite part was you get like the scythe and you cut the grass yep. and she's like, this is probably the most satisfying part of this whole game. <laughs> well, the cutting grass has been fun ever since Link to the Past. <laughs> like, I will give you a right? pro tip on Stardew Valley. If you're picking up on Switch this Thursday or whatever, if you get a scythe, do not go as satisfying as it is. Don't go around and cut the grass right away. You actually need to save it because later on it can turn into hay. And um, my wife ran into this problem where she cut all our grass, and then she got a barn and was like, I have to buy hay because I have no grass to cut. So, <laughs> pro tip out there for That's you. hilarious. Thanks for the tip, Nathan. So, um, other than that, uh, probably the biggest one I've been playing is Horizon Zero Dawn. Just kind of keep going in that one. I'm probably... 20 or 30% done with the game at this point. I'm at 100%. Did Kiss you finish Yeah, I finally got the platinum got the on that. Nice. It, I need to get back from you then. Yeah, it was not a fun game to platinum. It was fun up to about 90, 80%. Yeah. And then it was really, really grindy and not fun finding because there's way too many collectibles at, at the very, very end. But uh, anyways, still great I've been game, kinda, but. <laughs> I've been kind of getting the collectibles as I go along and clearing the map as I go because that's yeah, just that's, my personality. That's fine, so but. I've already collected a lot of, like, an entire half of the map, essentially. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, I, and I'm just slowly doing it. I think one of the things that I really appreciate about this game is that it makes you think about what you're doing. You know, there's the type of RPGs where you just kind of grind up to a super high level, and then you're just like, oh, I can just beat everything with one hit. Um, so I will but say this you game, can kind of do when you hit level 50, but that's not, you don't get to level 50 until you're, like, done with the game. So. Yeah. yeah you, <laughs> the majority of the game, yes, I, I agree. I think I just hit level 24. Nice. So I'm, I'm, yeah. pretty, I'm getting, I'm about um, halfway there. But... It's what I think is cool is that there's different encounters with different, you know, the enemy like robots 
and how you fight them is different every time. Like how I've had to deal with uh, this, you know, giant one versus a small one. I've had to do it differently every single time. And I think that's cool. Gotcha. So. All right. Well, is there anything else you guys wanted to mention before we go? I just want to shout out to NBA 2K18 on Switch really quick. I've been playing it a lot. It's already my second most played Switch game. Wow. Which is crazy. I've seen a lot. Um, it's really fun. Uh, there's a couple problems with it I've found. Um, still waiting for the patch to come out. Like, UK claims they submitted it to Nintendo and it still hasn't been approved yet, so that's kind of frustrating. And then also, uh, there's a couple challenges I was trying to complete where you have to be as basically play online with people. And I was trying to do that the other morning before work and I wasn't able to f- find a match. <laughs> so that's kind of usually can be a problem with Nintendo just because there's not as many users and stuff playing online. Yeah, and online's just so, not good. Yeah, and the online is just not as good. So that's a little frustrating. But overall, it's still a really fun game and especially portable. So you're glad you got it on the Switch then yes. and play it portable and stuff? Yep. Nice. All right. Sweet. Well, that about ends our show this week. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We will leave you with the Donkey Kong Country theme.